This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today we're finally talking about cheese. Yes, specifically cheddar cheese because cheese is a massive topic. Oh yeah, that's yeah. way too much. Lauren knows all about that. Oh, I do. Oh. She wanted an yeah, infamous cheese hole. We'll be talking about that later, I yeah. think. <laughs> and this one involves fraud, just to get you excited. Cheese fraud. Yeah, that's okay. the best kind. Of course. So what is cheddar cheese, Lauren? Well, cheddar is a type of aged cheese that's medium hard. A chunk of it will stand up without melting or running all over a plate, and it will crumble, but in like creamy chunks rather than fine grains. It usually has a nuttiness to it and a bit of a tang. How much tang can be discerned by a few labels? Well, sort of. Yeah. As for the types of cheddar you'll probably find in the grocery store, you've got mild, medium, sharp, and extra sharp. And yeah, that's kind of at the manufacturer's discretion. There are kind of loose guidelines. Mild is aged about three months. Medium is twice that at six months. Sharp or mature, nine months. And extra sharp or extra mature at 12 months. Anything over that is vintage cheese. As cheese ages, it becomes sharper or stronger and more complex and flavorful. And also, cheddar cheese is one of my favorite cheeses. Oh, really? Oh, yes. I think it's mine, too. I mean, I think I go through a different favorite cheese about once a day. 
I've got three favorites, and this is one. If we ever come to the other ones, then oh. I'll reveal what they are. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cheddar cheese uh, made in its place of origin in and around Somerset is covered by the EU-protected designation of origin West Country Farmhouse Cheddar, similar to the AOC protections we talked about in our champagne episode. To qualify for this protection, the cheddar has to be made with local milk with traditional by-hand techniques and aged for a minimum of nine months. Non-West Country Farmhouse Cheddar, however, is made all over. Oh, yeah. Cheddar is the most bought and eaten cheese around the world. Behind mozzarella, it's the second most popular cheese in the U.S. Mozzarella, by the way, is because of pizza and string cheese. Oh. Yeah. Wisconsin is the largest producer of cheddar here in the States, and the average American eats 32.5 pounds of cheese a year. Ha. Cheddar or otherwise. In Greece, it's reportedly twice that number, though. It's also the most popular cheese when it comes to scientific studies. Huh. Yeah. And speaking of science, yeah. let's talk about the science of how cheddar cheese is made. Cheddar cheese science, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cheese was the topic that got me um, started off on my love affair with bacteria poop. That's where it all began. It, it is. And and we mentioned it on the show, like literally today and also other times. But yeah, I went through this whole cheese obsession month a yeah. couple years ago where every project I worked on was about cheese. Whether that made me more or less fun at parties is highly subjective. Oh, more fun. There's also this like um, whiteboard drawing <laughs> of like a cheese family tree that Lauren made. And it was yeah. there forever, <laughs> forever. Yeah, the etymology of the word cheese was this whole project. I was really trying to get an etymology show started up with uh, with Caroline. And yeah. then it, never, it never quite got off the ground. But okay, so cheddar cheese mm-hmm. starts the same way all cheese does with milk. Yeah. So let's talk about how you turn liquid milk into solid cheese. Those of you who listened to our episode on yogurt will remember the first part of the process. Milk contains a lot of solid molecules, but they all mass together as a liquid because milk is an emulsion. Mm -hmm. Emulsion is just the science word for a mixture of things that don't usually mix, like oil and water. But emulsions, such as milk or mayonnaise or bottled salad dressing, Emulsions contain both fats and water evenly dispersed throughout the other. In milk, this happens because of the structure of milk's protein molecules. Milk has these complex proteins called caseins that have both hydrophilic, that means water-loving, and lipophilic, that means fat-loving, parts. When presented with both water and fats, caseins grab bits of fat and cluster up into globules called micelles, with the fat hoarded on the inside and those water-loving hydrophilic bits on the outside. These micelles are all negatively charged particles, which means they repel each other, like, you know, magnets, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you give them a neutral base of water to float around in, they'll disperse themselves evenly throughout it, creating an emulsion. (gasps) Yes. So, to make this liquid milk into solid cheese, you need to de-emulsify it, a.k.a. coagulate it, by mucking around with those micelles. You want to neutralize their charge so that they stop repelling each other, so you add some lactic acid bacteria. Bacteria poop! These are friendly germs that eat the sugars in milk and excrete acids. Acid neutralizes the micelles, and they start clumping together. The bacteria also excrete flavor molecules, so particular strains are used for different cheeses. Lactobacillus casei, 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 and uh, Lactobacillus planetarum are common for cheddar. Mm-hmm. What happens if you stop there? 
If you stop there, you have yogurt, Ooh, and that's delicious. It is. But if you continue the coagulation process via either heat or chemical stuff or both, that's when you get cheese. I accidentally made cottage cheese the first time I tried making yogurt because I overheated it. The the heat agitates more water out of the clumping micelles, and and you get solid curds that are mostly proteins and fats, and liquid whey that's mostly water and a few water soluble things. The curds are the cheese, and the whey is discarded,、uh, or usually in you know industry used for something else because it's nutritious and delicious, tastes、mm-hmm. just like whey. Exactly. Yeah, in the case of cheddar, like many cheeses, part of this coagulation process is adding rennet, which is a product made up of proteolytic enzymes,、uh, meaning、uh, enzymes that break stuff down. Which, in rennet's case, helps the solids in milk clot together. Natural rennet comes from the fourth stomach lining of young cows, goats, and sheep.、Mm-hmm. When it's in there. It helps the animal digest its mother's milk by separating out the whey from the curds. Traditionally, rennet is added to cheese by soaking pieces of dried stomach in water and then straining and adding the water to the curdling milk. But in case that just totally grossed you out, don't don't worry. First off, first off, animals are not killed just to make rennet. It is a byproduct of the meat industry. And most rennet these days doesn't actually come from stomach linings at all, but from lab-farmed bacteria or fungi that either naturally produce similar enzymes or have been genetically modified to do so. And some plants, like fig leaves and thistle, make rennet-like enzymes as well. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So you've done you've done your your bacteria coagulation. You've done your rennet coagulation, and at this point, you've got your cheese curds. Which are themselves delightful. Yeah. If you've never had cheese curds,、oh. go find some. You might need to go to Wisconsin. They make your teeth squeak. These, there's, I know it's, oh, it's great. Okay, but to get to cheddar, you've got to press and age these curds.、Uh, pressing helps get even more of the moisture out, which、uh, you need to do in order to create cheddar's firm texture. The specific method that was developed for pressing cheddar curds is used for other cheeses. It's called cheddaring. Excellent. The best word, and we've got a note on it later on.、Mm-hmm. Um, Cheesemakers do also add salt to draw water out of the cheese and add a bit of flavor, and stop the action of those lactic acid bacteria, which have been continuing to do their fermentation thing this whole time. The reduction in water content lowers the pH of the cheese, making it more acidic, which helps、uh, make the final cheese both tangy and firm.、Hmm. The curds are then pressed into hoops or other molds, and then they're ready for storage. During aging, molecules in the cheese slowly break down, releasing compounds that affect the cheese's flavor and texture, making it more and more delicious all the time. Yep. Sometimes、uh, dyes are added to the milk during the early stages of the curdling process, though.、Mm-hmm. Kraft cheese. Some of you have probably heard of that. They announced in 2013 that it was going to be doing away with the artificial dyes and some of their macaroni and cheese products. I mean, well, that bright neon <laughs> orange isn't cheese's natural color. <laughs> But why were they using dyes in the first place? Why is cheddar orange? Yeah, deep questions.、Mm. We'll get to that and so much more history stuff after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So the first cheese probably originated in a way that's similar to yogurt. That is dairy being transported into animal skins, animal bladders, getting agitated, getting exposed to lactic acid, bacteria, and rennet. And this all dates back to when we first started domesticating milk-producing herd animals like goats and cows and sheep, maybe around 10,000 BCE. Once the process was nailed down a bit more, it was seen as a great way for farmers to use up surplus milk before we had refrigeration or a good way of transporting it. There's evidence of cheesemaking in farming settlements going back as far as 5,500 BCE. Uh, traces of dairy fat have been found in ceramic fragments dating from around that time. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you're looking for some more homework, uh, huh. the butter episode was kind of tied to this, and there's that whole pull between, like, should we use this surplus milk for butter or cheese? Yeah. Yeah. So the yogurt one and the butter one, closely related. Definitely. Um, cheddar itself is named after the district it comes from, located in the southwestern county of Somerset, England. Or possibly from the Cheddar Gorge or the caves nearby. The constant cool temperature and humidity of these caves made it ideal for cheddar storage and maturation. The best alternative pre-refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Folklore out of Cheddar tells the tale of a milkmaid who left a pail of milk in the nearby caves and forgot it there. <laughs> when she stumbled upon it sometime later, she found that instead of milk, she had this delicious tasting cheese thing. <laughs> From there, others set out to recreate this accident and get more of that cheese stuff. Mm-hmm. In 1903, by the way, uh, 1903 CE, some workers discovered the oldest intact human skeleton in these caves. What? 
Mm-hmm. Huh. It was dated to 7,150 BCE and now is known as the Cheddar Man. And you can see him, I can't recall it what museum, but some museum in Britain. <laughs> it's also a relatively newish cheese. As far back as the 11th century CE, farmers in Cheddar, England were making cheddar cheese. We know that because the first written record of it is dated at 1170 CE when King Henry II purchased a <laughs> 10,240 pounds of cheddar cheese at the rate of a farthing per pound. He espoused its superiority to all other cheeses. Oh, yes. His son followed his example on that, too. Ah. Uh, cheese makers there discovered that the more ma- moisture you could remove, the longer the cheese lasted. And they did this by piling slabs of curds on top of each other to press out the liquid whey. And this was called cheddaring. And um, it also stretched out these slabs of curds and made a harder cheese. Another monarch, Charles I, who reigned during the 1600s, was an enormous cheddar cheese fan. He was enormously fond of cheddar cheese. Not necessarily. I, I don't know. I actually don't. Was he was no, he chubby? Think, where's Where's Jonathan when you need him? I don't think he was chubby. Okay. He was. He loved cheddar cheese. Is what we're <laughs> trying to say. Uh, but the his demand <laughs> exceeded supply, which meant that it was being purchased by him even before it was made. It was only available to members of the court. Oh wow. Like an early example of pre-ordering. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Around this time in the 17th century, we arrive at the color thing and fraud. Yes. If you think about it, she should probably be white, right? Right? Wrong. Ugh. Or not necessarily. Ah. A lot of cheeses in England had a yellowish, orangish tint, particularly if the milk used to make the cheese came from two breeds of cows, the Jersey and the Guernsey. That's because the grass where they were located contained a lot of beta carotene, which gave the milk color. We touched on this a bit in our butter episode, and uh, we talked about how the diet of the cow when the season changes the color of their milk. Or rather, not the not the color of the milk, because milk is always white, but the content of the milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, butter and cheese can be yellow despite milk being white because that beta carotene is fat soluble, which means it's locked away in the fat molecules in milk, which you'll remember from the beginning of the episode are themselves locked away inside of my cells. Or they are, at least, until you start messing around with the micelles. And the process of making butter and cheese causes some of milk's fats to get released. And the beta carotene can come blinking into the sunshine and color the cheese or the or the butter. Mm-hmm. At times when cows eat more fresh grass than dried hay or other feed, uh, a the grass itself is more nutritious, and so they're better able to produce extra fatty, nutritious milk. And b it's usually during warm seasons when cows' bodies are working to produce more high quality milk due to the uh, natural swing of their hormones. And all that good stuff in milk adds flavor to the finished cheese. And Aging cheese longer brings out more of those color molecules and more flavor molecules. Thus, in cheddar, that orangey, yellowy hue was seen as an indicator of quality. You know where this is going? (laughs) I bet you do. Cheesemakers in England knew they could make more money if they skimmed off the cream to make butter or if they sold the cream separately. The problem was that doing so got rid of the color, that mark of quality that let you sell it at a higher price, which was mostly the byproduct of that fatty cream you skimmed off. But these enterprising cheesemakers and fraudsters didn't let that stop them. They got the idea to fake it, essentially, to dye the cheese. At first, they added things like marigold, saffron, and carrot juice. 
Then they started using something called annatto, derived from the seeds of chocolate plants. And this is what craft plans to replace the artificial dyes with, by the way. Um, their scheme succeeded. And unsuspecting Londoner, Londoners purchased dyed cheese thinking they were getting high-quality, full-fat cheddar. With the help of marketing and as cheddar spread further away from England, the color cemented itself in the minds of consumers. If it wasn't bright orange, it wasn't cheddar. It became the standard. The traditions of dyeing cheese, the traditions of dyeing cheese <laughs> spread as the cheese itself did. But it didn't really catch on in New England dairies. No. No. Uh, the, the use of dyes and cheddar really cemented during the industrialization of the cheese industry in the 1900s when consumers started associating uh, brand consistency with quality. But but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. We will talk more about cheddar's past and future after one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Daniel Defoe's 1724 book, A Tour of the Islands of Great Britain, dedicated a whole chapter to cheddar, both place and cheese. This is how big, like, cheddar was becoming. At first, cheddar could only be made locally, and that kind of made it a local product and a luxury product a bit. Mm-hmm. But when Pilgrim started making the journey to America, Puritan dairy farmers brought with them the methods of making cheddar cheese. By 1790, American-made cheddar was being exported back to Europe. Wow. At first, 
Cheese in the U.S. was based in New England, but gradually it spread west. For half a century in the 1800s, the western region of Ohio was known as cheesedom. Um, as colonists and immigrants from places like Switzerland, Germany, and Norway settled in Wisconsin, they bought with them the tradition of farm-made cheese. The U.S. Census from 1850 reports 400,283 pounds of cheese made on Wisconsin farms for the year of 1849. And the summer of 1845 saw the arrival of the first immigrants from Glarus, Switzerland, settling in Greene County, Wisconsin. They set up a community they called New Glarus. Yes, that New Glarus. <laughs> For people in Wisconsin, you know what I'm talking about. I've got no idea. Oh, oh, no. Oh, we got to fix that, like, immediately. Goodbye. No, <laughs> no. we'll wait. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, it's it's like a they make beer and cheese. It's very good. And Wisconsin's role in the cheese production is a topic for a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. During Queen Victoria's rule in the 1800s, she was gifted with a 1,200-pound chunk of cheddar. What? Oh. Yeah. It was an offering at her wedding. Uh, it, it took the milk from 750 cows. The farmers who gave it to her asked her to put it on display, which she did, but then declined to take it back after the exhibition was <laughs> over, perhaps not knowing to do with 1,200 pounds of cheese that was on exhibition for who knows how long. We're not quite sure what happened to it after that, actually. Hmm. The current record for largest cheddar goes to the 1989 56,850-pound chunk of cheese made by the Federation of American Cheesemakers in Oregon. Oh. That, I can't even imagine that amount of cheese. Nope. A couple of important developments in the 19th century made it possible for the mass production of cheddar. The first was when Joseph Harding, a dairy farmer in Somerset, invented a cheese mill capable of cutting up the cheese curds and came up with the method for scalding the curds to get the texture uh, which way spread up the process as compared to the previous method of just weighing down the curds and waiting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He also went around teaching dairy farmers this method in Scotland and North America. For his efforts, history often remembers him as the father of cheddar cheese. It's quite the title. Soon after, in 1851, the first cheese factory opened in New York, and New York was um, the state that produced the most cheddar cheese before cheesemaking spread west. Their specialty was cheddar. A lot of the cheddar ended up getting exported back to Britain. When James Kraft, yep, that Kraft, uh -huh. <laughs> moved to Chicago in 1903, he wanted to find a way to recycle and sell unused bits of cheddar since it was the first and most factory-produced cheese. By adding some sodium phosphate to repasteurized cheddar, he came up with the Kraft Single, a.k.a. American Cheese, in 1916. During World War II, this was a staple for soldiers. And I am hyper-pumped to do a future episode about this type of cheese, also sometimes called processed cheese. It is fascinating. Yeah. All of the regulations about how much cheese can be in your cheese product. Oh. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> okay. When Captain Robert Scott embarked on his 1901 journey to Antarctica, he took with him 3,500 pounds... 1,600 kilograms of cheddar-made cheddar cheese. Interesting choice and great excuse to go down a failed Antarctic <laughs> exhibition or rabbit hole with researching cheddar cheese. <laughs> if you've ever wondered why cheddar or cheese is slang for money, it goes back to the 1960s when recipients of food stamps and welfare in the U.S. were treated to government cheese. What that consisted of was a mixture of cheeses blended together with emulsifiers and any surplus milk. 
At the time, people might ask you if you'd gotten your cheese yet, meaning your government supplement. Or it could go back even further to World War II when the British government banned all types of cheese except cheddar. Oh. It was given the nickname Government Cheddar. This ban remained for nine years after the war ended. And before World War I, Britain had 3,500 cheesemakers in business, but there were less than 100 after World War II. They're in the process of bouncing back. And as with a lot of things, cheddar is undergoing a bit of a, a renaissance, a cheese revolution I read in a couple of places, oh. with more and more small farms and cheesemakers entering the business and giving us many, many products to try. And speaking of trying. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of. So, okay. You know, we, we, we talked a little bit about how cheddar tastes, but how do you turn that into an amazing meal for all of your senses? How do you pair it with stuff? <laughs> I mean, I like to just eat it straight. But <laughs> there's there's things. Um, experts have a list of words, by the way, for describing the flavor of cheddar, including brothy, catty, cowy, fecal, moldy, nutty, scorched, sulfur, and waxy. They have a lot more than that. Those were just some of my favorites. Cheddar cheese is used in all kinds of things. Mac and cheese, grilled cheese, cheddar biscuits, cheddar soup, waffles, grits, apple pie. But I like it with apple slices straight. Me too. Yeah. yeah it's my favorite. Mm. If you're looking to pair your cheddar cheese with a beverage, it's good with ale. In England, you can get this thing called a plowman's lunch, which is sort of a platter with cheddar, pickles, apple slices, bread, and ale. Or a good dry... Cabernet Sauvignon would go well. Also, a dry cider. There's lots of things. Cheddar cheese. It's cheese. I mean, I know. And cheese scientifically has been proven to uh, improve the taste of so-so wine. So. Yep. Mm. So try any pairing you like. Yeah. Yeah. And that is our first foray into cheese. There will be many, many more. Oh yes. Oh, I'm so. Oh, I'm still really, real. I'm real excited about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's gonna be great. (laughs) It is. In the meantime, listener mail. Listener mail. Yes. Brandon wrote in, in a response to our chocolate episode, he said, I had to write in to ask if you've heard the recent hypothesis on why chocolate is such a universally loved food. Well, it turns out it has an unusual combination of both high fat and sugar, which is rarely found in nature, except in breast milk. Yep, apparently the thinking goes that chocolate and other high-fat foods like ice cream or cookie dough are so irresistible as it helps us recapture the taste and sense of closeness we got from the first food we ever sampled, human breast milk. That is a quote from a study. Not sure I feel about this because every time I eat chocolate now, I can't help but make the association. I'm sorry if I've ruined (laughs) chocolate for anyone. (laughs) Well, that's certainly an interesting hypothesis. Yeah. Uh, Helen also wrote in about chocolate. Chocolate is still mostly consumed as a drink here in Guatemala, and it is delicious. It is made often in cottage industries of ground cacao and sugar and formed into the hard slabs you mentioned. You break off the amount you need. The bars come scored into more or less one cup sections and boil it in water and beat it with a wooden beater to make it frothy. Milk can be added, but I prefer it with just water. It's a rich, dense, chocolatey drink. Similar hot chocolate is served in Mexico, but the froth is more important there. Their chocolate beaters are different, and a proper cup of chocolate has to have a good head of froth on it. I'll attach a picture of each kind of beater. But once you have real hot chocolate, a packet of instant add hot water cocoa will never do it for you again. Yeah. Oh, dang- dangerous. I Yeah. There are 
a couple places in Atlanta that do, quote, Mexican hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. And it's really thick and it's got kind of a bite of spice. Yeah. And I love it. But I can only imagine that uh, the real thing. But, but homemade. Yeah. I, I had a I had a friend um, whose family was from Argentina who had one of the frothers. And yeah. Oh. And he would make it for us sometimes at holidays. It sounds so good. Yeah. It was. She's making a face of like. It's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> indescribable <laughs> deliciousness. <laughs> I'm oh. not I'm not often at a loss for words, but sometimes chocolate chocolate, chocolate gets it. me there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can do so. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw stands for how stuff works. Uh, we're also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you so much to uh, Dylan Fagan, our producer, who's also very good at jazz hands. He he jazzed hand along with us uh, during our listener mail he intro. Did. It was very nice. Um, <laughs> thanks thanks to him. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park! Give me a woo! Roller coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.